Blackstone Audio presents The Year of the Hare, a novel by Arto Parsilinna, translated from the Finnish by Herbert Lomas. Forward. Which of us has not had that wonderfully seditious idea to play hooky for a while from life as we know it, to do a gauguin, even in the depths of the Arctic Circle, dropping all the stuff that seems so important, a regular job, a good salary, a solid home, and going off in search of what is really more sustaining, adventure, restoration, fun. To walk like Thoreau, away from the community one knows too well, and to sit still in the forest, where suddenly our companions are the stars, the creatures we've never stopped to notice before, other eccentric dropouts, even the pinch of bitter cold. In an age when more and more of us are assaulted around the clock by beeping cell phones, chiming laptops, twittering handheld devices and calls from the boss, when even the division between home and office is dissolved, something in us almost cries out for time and freedom, and something zesty and close to the ground. In Zen practice, students are woken up by a sharp wooden stick cracked down on each shoulder in the meditation hall. In Arto Pasilinna's Year of the Hare, the unlikely catalyst to awakening is a hare running across a road and its violent meeting with a car. I came upon Pasilinna's novel, which was first published in 1975 and has been translated into everything from Hungarian to Japanese much too recently. It is part of an oeuvre that has been delighting Finns for decades, and I could instantly see how an antic, amiable, hare-brained kind of logic governed the Mad Hatter satire. The prose is brisk, even as it describes a life of ambling, and the story zigzags to and fro much as its vagabond hero does. But always it maintains its topsy-turvy, frolicsome pace, as if to suggest that every kind of order and ceremony must be turned on its head. Vatanen, the journalist, slips out of a hotel room as if it were a prison, and starts inspecting a prison as if it were a hotel. The police superintendent he meets turns out to be something of a delinquent too, off with a retired colleague fishing. Very soon, in fact, it appears that everywhere people are hungering to get away from society's rules and find a life of ease and planlessness that can bring them closer to creatures of the wild. As the novel goes on, it seems that one character after another is falling into a lake, getting stuck in the mud, needing somehow to be rescued, and Vatanen's odd jobs all involve reclamation. A church becomes the setting for a crazy game of cross-species hide-and-seek, and a pastor turns into a gun-wielding maniac even as a bum becomes an unlikely Samaritan. When we meet a group of officials, they too are soon, quite literally, stripped of all their clothes— so that it becomes even harder to tell the humans from the animals. The most simpatico creature in the book, after all, is four-legged. It sometimes feels, such is the runaway pace of the shaggy hair subversion, that the whole novel is drunk, starting out relatively upright and conventional, but soon keeling over, rubbing its forehead, and wondering what in the world is going to happen next. My life, alas! has never been quite so slapstick. But I know a little about the impulse Parcelina's journalist discovers. When I was twenty-six, I was securely nestled in an office in Rockefeller Center in Midtown Manhattan, 
writing international affairs articles for Time magazine, with not a seeming care in the world. I took my holidays in Bali and El Salvador. I headed off for weekends to New Orleans or Key West. I imagined myself at the centre of the universe. Then, on a layover on one such trip, forced to spend a night near Narita Airport in Tokyo, I went into the little town near the airport hotel a few hours before my flight, and suddenly I was slapped awake. No hare was scampering across the road, but something in the collected stillness of the scene, the chill sunshine of a late October day, the mix of familiarity and strangeness, the sense of possibility in the ringing emptiness, felt like a home I'd been seeking without knowing it. Here was something none of my pension plans or glittery nights could buy. Here, in fact, was a wealth, a reality, a sense of spaciousness far beyond anything I could imagine in the time-bound life I'd reflexively fallen into.